0: Hello again. Um, this is a sort of a kind of a pendant episode to our previous yeah. proper episode, which this was is about a point 0.5 Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah. And well, well, or at least that was what it was going to be. See, when we watched Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, it was pretty clear that we absolutely loathed it. And <laughs> right, reasonable. Um, I think it's possibly the worst film I've ever seen. That, that seems like a step up from what you said last time. I'm struggling to think of a worse experience I've had. <laughs> Hang on, There must be. The reason I'm into different versions of Alice, and this is kind of what we're here to talk about today, is just because there are there is no one approach that works. Yeah. So every single different one is a completely different thing. And it's essentially like a ticket to be imaginative and yeah. to make a, a, a film that really stands out and is really interesting. Yeah. And when someone aggressively doesn't...
1: Yeah. It almost feels like... How how could you do that with yeah. the components of yeah. Alice in Wonderland? How, yeah. It, but by and large though what yeah. you what most people treat Alice in Wonderland like is as a toy box of exactly. different like well here's a fun idea, here's a fun visual, let's see what we can build. It's like a it's like a box of Lego.
0: Yeah. And if it's a box of Lego, yeah. then Tim Burton in this case was the dad from the Lego movie <laughs> steadfastly not having fun with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly um so yeah no i mean yes from that perspective i didn't loathe the film but i think it is a loathsome film in a, in yeah. a lot of ways Yeah, 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 yeah. it's it's re- there's really very very little to recommend it
0: right so based on this we were certain that we would I, I wanted just out of my own interest i wanted to watch through the looking glass and we thought what we were going to do is kind of go okay yeah there we go there was another one of those isn't it terrible that they made
1: that but i really liked it <laughs> really liked it. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, look, and really I'm, so, I'm coming from this from the perspective of someone who watched it in the cinema when yeah. it came out and it was, it just was completely in one ear and out of the other. <clears throat> I had, it left no impression on me whatsoever. Yes, I
0: came here sort of anticipating a little, a little argument about that.
1: But, then I rewatched it again <laughs> ahead of this and I, and I actually really quite liked it. <laughs> yeah, I w- I'll, I'll amend from really
0: liked it to really quite liked it but here's, here's, this I had a best. nice time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, the best way that I can describe it is that like it's not an event film that you that it's like oh I I need to watch I don't think I'll ever need to watch it again.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: But it's a different kind of film, and I, I've I've long split good films into these two categories in my head. There's good films that was like just a proper like you could tell anyone to watch it they'd love it. Yeah, it's a good film. It deserves to be an event film. And then there's what this is, which is great. Um, Boxing Day TV or Great yeah. Bank Holiday afternoon TV. This is something that you would sit down as a kid and you would put it on, and you would just be a hundred percent happy that that was what you did with your afternoon. But it's not an event in your life. Yeah. I, I put this in uh, the camp of like things that I've watched along these lines is like the Cosgrove Hall BFG stuff like that. It's a yeah, film yeah. where you're like you're just having a nice time. Watching. Yeah, yeah. I watched this over a, a number of lunch times. And I looked forward to each one. <laughs> and that's quite
1: a turnaround.
0: Yeah, it's totally... It was the opposite experience. Now, it could be because...
1: Y- yeah, I was literally just going to yeah. say this. The,
0: I, feel, I feel like Al- Tim Burton's Alice is like a palate cleanser where if you want to enjoy the next thing you're going to watch...
1: <laughs> <laughs> huh, am I... Cons- no way, it's too much of a cost. <laughs>
0: Or watching it before everything
1: you <laughs> yeah. ever see again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really not prepared to no, take that
0: No, but it does put... It puts entertainment into perspective. There are so many yeah. things that are so much better than we give them credit for purely because they are functional. <laughs>
1: and not Tim Burton's Alice. Tim Burton's Alice.
0: Yeah. So here's the, the closest comparison I came up with for the way that I felt about Through the Looking Class. Who... Uh, Bobbins. What's his name? Someone Bobbin. James Bobbin. James Bobbins. Bobins through the looking glass well because there's so many others that i have in my life that i need to differentiate i can't just call this through the looking glass yes Um, i can't even call it alice through the looking glass because it's not the only one called that That, Um, yeah the book is through the looking glass and what alice found there i believe um every film adaptation of it is alice through the looking glass yes the closest comparison i can make is to the film return to oz i was thinking that were you and possibly it's
1: because of the clockwork people. Well,
0: that's one thing. Also, the thing about how they, you briefly entertain the possibility that this is all going to be a psychiatric disorder, because there's a moment yeah, where she yeah. wakes up in a in a sort of psychiatric place and you go, oh, they're not just doing... Oh, okay, they're not. It's immediately resolved that yeah, that's not yeah, what they're yeah. doing. But the comparison with the start of Return to Oz kind of... Yeah. through itself in my mind but mostly I am talking about the fact that here we have Wizard of Oz which is very much the American version of Alice in Wonderland
1: yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: um, has a diff- totally different flavour yeah Um, but they are comparable in, in many ways yeah yeah totally and here we have a needless film <laughs> sequel yeah Um, which doesn't Really have much to do with well actually Return to Oz did touch on things from later Oz books but yeah. doesn't really have much to do with what the thing is that it's adapted yeah
1: yeah I would agree with that as well
0: and yeah is a perfectly enjoyable romp for that like I feel as
1: if I was gonna say both films feel liberated by their yeah. needlessness <laughs> yeah because neither of them I mean obviously I'm not I'm not comparing Wizard of Oz to Tim Burns Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> But well, let's compare like
0: uh, the, the the phenomenon of Alice <laughs> because there's never been a Wizard of Oz is in a weird position where it has a film that's yeah. just as good as the book, yeah, yeah, maybe better than the book and, and just as better, important, though, way more important, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alice doesn't really have that.
1: No, but the thing I would say about you know both Wizard of Oz yep. and the, uh, you know Ali, let you know, let's say you take this version of Alice in Wonderland, is okay. there is I suppose a sense to them that. They feel themselves, you know, they feel a a sense of propriety about being the standard bearer for this is the adaptation of this famous work. And we are going to, like, very respectfully and studiously cover the big things from from that property. Whereas the sequel, they were kind of like, yeah, well the first the preceding film did that, yeah, so let's just kind of go nuts because this kind of this is kind of a gimme, it's mm. like this doesn't really matter yeah this the first one did definitively you know at least in the minds of the creative team, the thing you know like it adapted the original thing, yeah, now let's just That's go done. and do something a bit weird yeah. with the same pieces, um, and I mean, return to Oz obviously is. Yeah, it's seen now as a better film than it was when it came out. But like,
0: well, because of the context of how we did watch it on Boxing Day afternoons. Well, yeah, exactly. We were more accepting of that as opposed to people who went and paid to watch it in the cinema.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Return to Oz is always going to be a lesser film because oh, yes, because of the fact that like the first film really nailed yeah, it, the, the fundamentals of that yeah
0: property. It's one of the the, the original Wizard of Oz like is just one of the all-time
1: good films. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, no, but I don't think anyone's a... arguing no, that. it's
0: in the top 50 films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
1: I mean, literally, it's not going to be just you who's saying that. Yeah. Anybody would say that. Yeah. Whereas with Alice in Wonderland, like I say, the first film felt so kind of, like, weighed down and shackled, weirdly, mm. by by attaching this kind of, like, iconic mythic gravitas to all of its ideas for some reason because you know despite that being the single wrongest way (laughs) you can approach the components of alice in wonderland it just feels refreshing to have a film that's just like uh, that that takes those components just says you know what let's just do something just completely random and weird with this stuff that is i mean correct me if i'm wrong here but Nothing whatsoever to do with anything Lewis Carroll ever got anywhere near.
0: Well, actually, the whole conceit of uh, Through the Looking Glass yeah. does come from
1: a line
0: in Alice. Okay. And,
1: and they've then... Do you mean bobin's Through the Looking Glass? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, here we are, here we are. So it's the, it's the tea party scene. Uh-huh. It's, why is a raven like a writing desk? Right? Yes. They've gone through that.
1: The line that was the emotional hook <laughs> of the previous <laughs> film. Have you guessed the riddle
0: yet? The hatter said, turning to Alice again. No, I give it up, Alice replied. What's the answer? I haven't the slightest idea, said the hatter. Nor I, said the March Hare. Alice sighed wearily. I think you might do something better with your time, she said, than wasting it in asking riddles that have no answers. "'If you knew time as well as I do,' said the Hatter, "'you wouldn't talk about wasting it. "'It's him.' "'I don't know what you mean,' said Alice. "'Of course you don't,' the Hatter said, tossing his head contemptuously. "'I dare say you never even spoke to time.' "'Perhaps not,' Alice cautiously replied. "'But I know I have to beat time when I learn music.' "'Ah, well, that accounts for it,' said the Hatter. "'He won't stand beating. "'Now, if you only kept on good terms with him, "'he'd do almost anything you liked with the clock.' For instance, suppose it were nine o'clock in the morning, just time to begin lessons, you'd only have to whisper a hint to time, and round goes the clock in a twinkling. Half past one, time for dinner. I only wish it was, the March Hare said to itself in a whisper. That would be grand, said Alice thoughtfully, but then I shouldn't be hungry for it, you know. Not at first, perhaps, said the Hatter, but you could keep it to half past one as long as you liked. Is that the way you manage? Alice asked. The Hatter shook his head mournfully. Not I, he replied. We quarrelled last March, just before he went mad, you know, pointing with his teaspoon at the March hare. It was at the great concert, given by the Queen of Hearts, and I had to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Bat, How I Wonder What You're At. You know the song, perhaps? I've heard something like it, said Alice. It goes on, you know, the hatter continued, in this way. Up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky, twinkle twinkle. Here the Dormouse shook itself and began singing in its sleep, twinkle, 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 and went on so long they had to pinch it to make it stop. "'Well, I'd hardly finished the first verse,' said the Hatter, when the Queen bawled out, "'He's murdering the time! Off with his head!' "'How dreadfully savage!' exclaimed Alice. And the listener should note that this is the first instance of off with a head in the book. "'And ever since that,' the Hatter went on in a mournful tone, "'he won't do a thing, I ask. It's always six o'clock now.' A bright idea came into Alice's head. "'Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here?' she asked. "'Yes, that's it,' said the Hatter with a sigh. "'It's always tea time, and we've no time to wash the things between whiles.' "'Then you keep moving round, I suppose?' said Alice. "'Exactly so,' said the Hatter, "'as the things get used up.' "'But what happens when you come to the beginning again?' Alice ventured to ask. "'Suppose we change the subject?' The March Hare interrupted, yawning. I'm getting tired of this. I vote
1: the young lady tells us a story. That's it. That's okay. The they actually cover all that in yeah, the they, film. Yeah, they, they they actually do. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I always had the impression that they had literally just made up almost everything in this film mm-hmm. completely out of whole cloth. But they that's actually that. a large component of that's the of, of of the yeah, film. They've
0: taken that one. Why? I don't know. That's from Alice in Wonder. That's not from yeah. Through the Looking Glass. Yeah, yeah. That is... So, for some reason, they took that bit and they went, there we go, we're going to base an entire film on this passage.
1: Yeah. And and they, they did, and it was fine. They, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was. They like, succeeded,
0: as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, it's it's just generally a film. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's... A, so, let's talk about that. This is yeah. a part of it that I was really interested in because right from the off... yeah. You have scenes that mirror the stuff I really didn't like in the first one. Yeah. But they work. In the yeah, first they function one, now. Yeah, in the first one, you've got this bit where, uh, and I complained about it on the podcast, where the mum, Alice's mum, who I now know is Alice's mum because that is clearly defined in this <laughs> film. In the first one, I was like, that woman she hangs out with. Um, I mean, I think it is said. I think I just, it is, yeah. But in this, it couldn't be clearer in this one. Yeah. So in the first one, the mum is like, oh, you're wearing the wrong things for the patriarchy. And she's like, yeah, but I don't like the patriarchy. Yeah. And the mum's like, well, you should. And then that's, <laughs> that's it. Actual dialogue. In this, that same thing is communicated. Yeah. But with, like, character and, and acting. And acting. She is an actor, this yeah, Mia. Right. Her name was. Mia Vazakovska, right? Yeah. She's good in this. Yeah, she it's is. It's like a completely different person. Yeah. In the first one... And we did, I, you know, we did establish that she could act and, and that I was totally accepting of the fact that yeah. she was George Lucas into not acting. Yeah, yeah. But she absolutely was in this. Yeah. It's like the same stuff, but with acting.
1: She's actually an engaging lead character yes. in this. I, I I was really surprised by that.
0: They Yeah. Isn't that weird? They even, lay, lay, like, in this one, they lean into the fact, and, and okay, it's not it's not fully justified, but the fact that what she's doing is wrong is... Is a story. It's the, yeah. It's what's going on all the way through is that she's making a. She's been warned not to do a thing. Yeah. She's doing the thing, and it's going to
1: destroy the whole universe. I had a bit of a problem with that. Well, we'll we'll get well, to I that. I had yeah. a bit of a problem yeah.
0: with that. But at least in this, it's because of like I don't know because simply because she's acting. I bought that she had this impetuous streak and she wanted yeah. to do this thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the first one, her triumphant moment is becoming the Red Queen. Yeah, yeah. Become rough she screams off with your head, and the head's a character played by Christopher <laughs> Lee. Like, exactly like, exactly like, Anakin
1: Skywalker did in the moment he turns to the dark side. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> um,
0: this film, again... It's like they're reading the same, like, basic design decision thing. It's like, we're not going to follow... We're going to make our own story. We're not going to follow slavishly the stuff that happens in the book. But badly and in the complete wrong way. But we're going to frame it with this standing out against the culture that she's in and her mum doesn't think she should. Except this time with reasons! (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actual motivations like I felt I bought why the mum would be doing this.
1: Not just to be a stand-in of, you know, like, she may as well just have a sign saying, I am how women thought in the
0: 1800s. Yeah, but without any research into whether they did or
1: not. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) This time she had this... I am
1: how a screenwriter would perceive a woman would behave in the 1800s. This time,
0: and by the way, same screenwriter. Yeah. Here she is again. And this time, it's all the same... It's like she took back her own... I almost feel like these were the original scenes she wrote. Because it's the same story. Yeah. Hamish is again the antagonist, but instead of just being there and like have and having a silly face like
1: being a posh ugly man yeah who you know and and, bo- and boo <laughs> called him weird looking Well, <laughs> look he's an actor in real life and i'm sure i'm sure when he's made up <laughs> yes. to look like just a normal yes, person he has the
0: silly halfway hair doesn't he yeah
1: and that. he's kind of pulling a sort of weird half sneer at all times and it was
0: better in this yeah. He looked weirder in this
1: yeah, exactly, because he had the kind of really scraggly facial hair and everything as well. Oh, that, right, that's that, right. That's clearly supposed to be like a failed attempt at like an aristocratic yeah. facial hair thing. It It's good. It's a good piece of design. Oh, in a again, film that oh often God. has good pieces of design yeah, in I it. I
0: liked all the design in this. I thought Time was a genuinely good new take on the character of Death. Yeah, yeah. I thought I it was. Yeah. I thought that the... His little robot butler guy was the best. I love that guy.
1: <laughs> and I, lo- I really like the the seconds forming into minutes, yeah! forming into hours.
0: Yeah, I think I wanted a little bit more setup. I feel like someone should have said something early on about like, oh, the minutes turn into hours, and like, and then it would have been like, oh, they're turning into hours. Yeah, like, yeah. I would
1: have yeah. preferred that, but. Still. And it's the it's fun design work. Yeah. That actually adds think, up to something.
0: And it was initially justified by them being called like seconds because they're seconds as in time, but also they're like his seconds. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, his subordinates.
1: You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, a film, film that like it generally is a film made of parts that like actually work. Yeah. Together. Um. And like, look, before we go full yeah. rave on this, it's like <laughs> I think I have. It's it's still weird right. to make this film out of parts of Alice in Wonderland.
0: Yes, it is. But only, only because they haven't really done it with Alice before. They've done it multiple times with Oz before. Yeah. There's not just Return to Oz, there's Journey Back to Oz. Yeah. Which is a separate film in which they actually got Liza Minnellian to be uh, oh. Dorothy.
1: Uh, that, that's good. Yeah. I like and that, they, yeah. And they
0: got all sorts of people in who had like the right... It was an all-star cast, but it was an animated film, and it was a quite Uh, dodgily animated uh, film by, like, I want to say Rankin-Bass or someone like that. Yeah. But what it was, was, again, just, like, random adventures in Oz, presumably drawn from bits of the books. This is just Alice doing that. This is, like, here's a film. It's an adventure film. Yeah. It's it's about Alice, but it's not from Alice. It's not an adaptation thereof.
1: Yeah. Like I say, though, I mean, I still feel as though these characters don't fit that as well because i oh, mean sure. like you know that the characters of wizard of of you know the the world of Oz. yeah you know i mean you take people like the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow and these are characters who are defined by having character arts yes. and having progressions having moral lessons that they learn yes the characters of alice are literary jokes quite right yeah. and they still are literary they jokes. Are.
0: and they and it did feel very needless to start going into their backstories and stuff.
1: Like, I didn't mind what they no. actually did. Um, no, me neither. Um, mostly because it felt like... It felt self-contained insofar as I didn't feel like they were trying to tell me that that's the actual backstory yeah. of the Queen from uh, Lewis Carroll's yeah, exactly, Alice in yeah. Wonderland. It was just a little bit of reverse engineering of the characters that they themselves wrote for the first film. Exactly. Which is welcome. Yeah. Because... Yeah, exactly.
0: That was, that was def- defining who they were yeah. was what was chiefly missing apart from filmmaking skills. <laughs> yeah. From the first film.
1: Yeah, and like...
0: If this had been it, if they just released this as Alice in Wonderland with almost, like maybe a couple of tweaks, because it even does the thing of being like a, a sequel that isn't necessarily connected to the original. Alice has come back Yeah. These characters she remembers. I almost feel like if they just released this. Yeah. It we would go like, oh yeah, okay, and there's like the Mad Hatter and stuff. She knows him from Wonderland, but now she's come back years later in her new life. Yeah. You'd need a little bit of explanation at the start, but not much else would need to be different to replace that film entirely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) agreed. (laughs) Like, like you say, this is a film that I mean. You know, we were talking about the idea of like the the Tim Bernalis being a palate cleanser that makes any film better, and that's probably true. Yeah. But it very, very specifically yes. makes this film so much better because there is not a single thing that the first film does that this doesn't improve on. No. Yeah. Like,
0: exactly. And it's got a, it's got more of a. Sense of what it is—it's got more of a sense
1: of humor about itself. Yeah,
0: I loved Anne Hathaway twiddling around in this.
1: Yeah, because I actually understood what the point of that performance was. Now I yeah. understood the point of what everyone was trying yeah. to do. Um I really liked uh, Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, in this. He like, really he good. like he was genuinely like—he was genuinely funny. Yeah, and yeah. in a way that nobody in the first film was. Yeah, at any point,
0: and he was likable. Like I. I didn't want his, like, little heart attacks to happen. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, when he starts degrading, you're kind of like, oh, no, this guy. You know, like, I quite like this guy. Yeah,
0: he was just doing his job. Yeah. He was correct about how, like, yeah, it's a terrible thing that happened, but we can't ruin time. (laughs) Yeah. And now here's the nicest thing we say about Johnny Depp. Sorry about this. Um, I even quite liked Johnny Depp in it. He was all right, yeah. Yeah, he, like... Again, like, At least in his first scene. I wasn't so into him the rest of the time, but in his first scene, in his amazing house that someone designed, <laughs> I, I quite liked him then. I thought it was a decent performance.
1: Like, in, like everybody in this film, he feels in control of what yeah. he's doing again. Yeah. Um, or that somebody else is controlling what he's doing. Because yeah. in the first one, he, and not just him, everybody... Yeah. They feel like they've been let off the leash, but in a bad way.
0: Yeah, just not told
1: what to do. Yeah, not told what to do. So, I don't... Look, I think Johnny Depp can be a very self-indulgent actor, but I also do think that what he does in his films, even when he's just going completely off-piste into completely wrong avenues, like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I do feel like he's trying to deliver value for the audience. he's just got a really weird idea of what's actually going to do that. And I felt that in the first Alice in Wonderland. It's like, I genuinely feel like he was trying to bring that character to life. It's just he and everyone else was not given any framework of where that character was supposed to fit into anything. So they just filled it with excess.
0: It really was sort of the epitome of the... What we think, and of course we don't know, but what we've come to think the Tim Burton uh, thought process is, which is, if I put Johnny Depp in some makeup, that's a film.
1: Yeah, then the magic will happen. Yeah, Yeah. But honestly, Tim Burton at his worst, everything feels like that. It it just feels like he takes the raw ingredients and just leaves them there to sort of ferment. (laughs) Like... And so, and and everything then does. Yeah. The performances ferment, like yeah. the score ferments. Yeah. The production design is like when you leave a pot of rice unattended for five <laughs> days; it just grows and mutates into like I've never
0: done it. So into
1: something definitely. just what awful. Happens. Don't do it. It's really bad. Um, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like
0: it, yeah. But I it, don't think that happened in Alice. I like the design in Alice.
1: The first one? Yeah,
0: I did. No, the design. Because, imagine, right, let me tell you exactly what I'm thinking of. Here is a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy illustrated book. This which,
1: makes for great radio.
0: Yes. <laughs> in which no attention was paid to any previous version uh, like or adaptation of it. Yeah. And they just quite lavishly made these big photograph-looking illustrations of the story. Yes. And it had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And artistically, it was fine. Yeah. And this is what I think the Tim Burton Alice design team were better suited to. If they yeah. brought out a book with their version of the Red Queen, yeah. or the, sorry, the Queen of Hearts, Yeah. the disparate character except in this, yes. um, I would have liked all the designs, and I would have kept it the way I've kept this Hitchhiker book, and I would have been interested to look at it. It's just when they start moving.
1: This is the thing about when I say that the design in the first Alice is... Bad. I don't mean it's objectively bad, and those artists did a bad job. What I mean is, those designs were not made to s- service the story, yeah. and they and therefore didn't. Yeah. And that's. N- that's not the artist's fault if you wanted to service the story and that particular version of it yeah with
0: your particular objection of it being unmoored from any previous version of Alice yeah would be to dress them quite like the ones in the animated Alice yeah that would make yeah and down and torn
1: and uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about yeah you've just come up with a design concept that would tell <laughs> yeah. tell the story that off they the want yeah just off the top of your head in one second <laughs> yeah. that would tell the story they were trying to tell yeah. whereas what they came up with didn't do that yeah.
0: it was a wild reimagining which the film turned out not to be
1: exactly because where they
0: it, were imagining it would be because tim burton's in the room making an alice yeah, yeah it should have been
1: <laughs> well yeah um but this film like i said all of the design work it works, and yeah. it fits into the story they are trying to tell. And I know that a lot of it is carried over from the previous film.
0: Yeah, but that's but, a skill in itself. But then they We've make it... a film that fits into exactly, it.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. All of those designs and all of those concepts now fit this mm. because this is actually properly engineered around the work that's been done. Yeah. And that's 100% not what the first film was. Can I
0: say, I never noticed in the whole of the first film, and this... Is- Possibly my failing, but the, the Queen of Hearts silhouette is a heart. She's, huh. the, the, her hair is the same heart. Yeah. Until in this one, they they led with her silhouette. They start with her shadow yeah. stretching across the ground as she enters. Now, okay, I admit that I probably should have noticed that, but what a better way... Why not introduce her with her silhouette if you've got that silhouette in your design? Yeah. Um, it made me think about how characters were introduced in the first one at all. And they just sort of weren't like even visually they just sort of weren't just the camera would just slowly pan in on people and
1: yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember that being particularly the problem with all of the good guy crew in the first film. When she gets to Underland, she just turns up and runs into them. Yeah. And they're introduced with no pomp or circumstance yeah, yeah. whatsoever.
0: Now, this time, it's similar because she just falls down and there they are. But yeah. because it's meant to happen soon afterwards and she knows them all, yeah. so we can't have a, a lavish introduction of every character.
1: And also, it kind of fits. It fits yeah. better like to have her land... Just right, slap bang in the middle of a tea party. Yeah, and of everyone them goes,
0: ah. Oh, so, as we were just doing.
1: Yeah, we... exactly. If you want to introduce them just offhandedly with no, yeah. no pomp and circumstance, do it like that. Then and do
0: it with the silly version of Anne Hathaway's Queen going like, oh brilliant. So I was just sorting this
1: out. Yeah, it fits. It all fits and it works. I guess it shouldn't be that. I mean, it's a, it feels like a great surprise yeah. because of what it's followed, but like. <laughs> but we like James Bobin, generally. I think. I mean,
0: yeah. I, I mean, what else? I know the two Muppet movies he did. Yeah, I liked both of them. Yeah, I didn't love them, but I liked them both. Same yeah. as this.
1: Well, he was a co- he was one of the co-creators of *Fly of the Concords as well. Oh, right then. Um. Oh, I love that. Yeah, he's just had a long history of being associated with good things. Yeah. Um. And he's clearly quite good. Yeah. He's <laughs> um. Obviously quite good. And. Was clearly just in a position where he was much more motivated to bring good work to this yeah. than certainly 2010 era Tim Burton. It, this is not a film that's made on autopilot. Mm. And it's really surprising to me because cause I'd seen this before. <laughs> and I don't. This is not the reaction I had yeah. to it when I watched it in the cinema. Um, and like I say, I, I just wonder if that's because it's. Maybe you do need to have watched the Tim Alice directly before to get this out of it. Because I think the problem I had with it when I saw it at the cinema is that, like, my brain spent a lot of that film rushing to get up to speed of, like, who are all of these people Mm. (laughs) again? And, like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that, like, you know, like, I should probably care about these people. And, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think half of my brain was just occupied by, like, dredging up bad memories well it
0: very quick I think a reason for that is it very quickly goes to the how much we all care about the Mad Hatter yeah which we don't and the first film doesn't even cover that like Alice isn't really particularly mates with him in that I don't think or if he or if she's supposed to be it doesn't come across I don't think
1: no well, it, like, yeah, like it, it's one of those... Nothing comes across. Nothing comes across in Alice in Wonderland, but the the special friendship between yeah. Alice and the Mad Hatter... It's not in it. It's, but then they try and tell you that it was, yeah. like at the end of the film, where they have that yeah. quote-unquote emotional parting scene with the Raven and writing desk thing. Um, it's
0: like they've got. It's like everything in that first film is like they've got the first note they made on the back of the first beer mat in the first meeting. Yeah, and then they just passed that round. Yeah, and then they just started rolling. It's like when you've got the assignment. Yeah, and you have your first it's improv session essentially, and you you first like gather and go like, okay, okay, let's just try this bit, or what if we did this? It's almost, it's almost as if they did that, happened to film it found out that the film needed to be out in three months and (laughs) gave it to the CG team.
1: Yeah. To just do. Yeah, and and to the cast to just, like, just do a really grotesque variation on whatever it was that you were thinking of in the first place. (laughs) Just go absolutely nuts. Push it way past the point of good taste. It's like we were watching their warm-ups. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it was like we were watching their warm-ups. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's not a film, is it? No.
1: I, it frizzles my whole brain. <laughs> Look at the pose I'm
0: in now. my hand. listener, My he, hands automatically went behind my head. He's on my skull. He's
1: clutching his head. Yeah, yeah.
0: I nearly covered my ears. As if that would be, like as if it's like, now get out. Like, Hear no
1: evil, see yeah, no evil. It's, yeah, right.
0: yeah, it's like that. It's like I need it not to be there. But through the looking glass does a good job of of that. It's It's like that's kind of. It's like what I was expecting, except... No, what you expect from the Tim Burton brand, for almost no reason at this point, is yeah. very interesting quirkiness. Yeah. Um, with, a, with a dark edge. Undertone, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you never get that. We never get... Okay, I haven't seen those films he made in the last couple of years. Maybe he's back to it, but we don't get that.
1: So We've not had it
0: for a long time. So instead, what you end up with is a sort of generic children's film... But when Tim Burton makes that, it's bad. This is a generic children's film, but it's
1: good. Yeah, a good generic children's film, it's yeah. It's not a good
0: non-generic children's film, like, you know, like a Lion King or something. It's not yeah. like a
1: good children's film. Yeah. It's a good generic children's film. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like you watch it and there's no sense that you're watching anything special. Yeah. It's just, like you say, it's, it's a run-of-the-mill adventure movie but solidly made yeah. and with... The
0: mill actually runs.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, with a good... With a good cast who are actually bringing some of that value... Yes! ...to the screen they are. this finally, time. they're
0: finally... It's finally them!
1: Yeah. I mean, most of the voice cast are still wasted, but that's not big. Bec- yeah. But that's just because they are, are in tiny roles. Exactly, yeah. Rather than you they're can, just you, terrible.
0: You can squeeze a lot more out of a Stephen Fry Cheshire cat, I feel, than was used, but... Yeah. But... I liked. Honestly, I'm just excited about the fact that they let Anne Hathaway be really silly.
1: Yes. Yeah. This is
0: one bit where she's saying, I can't remember what it is, but she's saying something to Alice, and then she just twirls off screen in the most sort of flamboyant <laughs> way, and I loved it.
1: And it, you like you like it just on its own terms, and you kind of, and it, It's also a light bulb moment where you sort of realize, oh, this is what she was going for the first time. Yeah. And missed by a million miles. Yeah. But I don't blame her because I just feel like the target was probably moving. Yeah. One of the other things I found most interesting about this film, again, yeah. compared to the previous film, is this is a film with themes that work.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, the that are actually reflected in the way that the story is told. Yeah. That are called back to coherently with relatively well-written and well-positioned lines of dialogue and scenes, you know, points where character arcs yeah. mirror each other. You know how the first film was a complete thematic nightmare? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I do. This, like, isn't. <laughs> it's not, is it? No. Like I said, and again, they're kind of generic themes. Yeah. You know, it's just it's run-of-the-mill stuff yeah. about, like, you know, learn from the past rather than trying to you know, bury it or change it or fear or, you know, fear things that happened to you way back when. or And, you know, st- obviously stuff about, like, time and, you know, not viewing, like, the passage of time as a threat but as a gift and, you know, making the best use of the time you have. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. It's Again, no, nobody's going to be writing philosophy theses on this film. Yeah. But it works and it makes yeah. sense.
0: For instance...
1: I was mentioning this before. You are dressed wrong. Yes, I am. I actually wrote down
0: the equivalent line in this film. Yeah. Which is the same statement, but written better, which is, must you always be so headstrong? No, it's just more fun that way. Yeah. It's the same statement, but with a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. The same one! The same one! Yeah. So, like, how much was... We don't know that it was Tim Burton who's to blame for this. Yeah. But someone or some force took everyone who has abilities yeah. and stopped them yeah. from using them. Yeah. And maybe one of those people was Tim Burton.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe. This whole
0: time, the Tim Burton I'm sick of that I think is bad yeah. is actually fettered by some ancient contract he signed at some point. Yeah. And isn't allowed to make good films or something. I don't. Know. Or, or you know,
1: or systems keep putting pressures on him in the yeah. wrong way yeah, yeah, to yeah, not yeah. get the best out of him or something.
0: But another one of these lines that that really stood out to me was after you've had that bit at the start, then it goes to her talking to the uh, to the Mad Hatter. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, you can you can go and be with your with your." And the Mad Hatter says the last thing I
1: want is to yeah. be like my father. Yeah. Which
0: ties into what Alice was on about at the start. Yeah, said to, said to her mom. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, that's good!
1: That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, like, scenes match each other in yes. ways that are complementary. Yeah. Themes come back yeah. and they complete, you know, like, something that happened at the beginning is completed later. Yeah. You know, all of these things and like, you know, the, the outcomes make sense with the setups. Yeah. Rather than You know, just spitballing, for example, to have a story where your entire motivating factor behind your main character is they want to be free of the rules imposed upon them by society and they are able to break free of those rules by going into a completely different society and following to the letter everything that everyone else. Stronger rules. More strict rules because they're all predestined. Told to her by more people and for less reason.
0: Yeah. By an, in fact, told to her by an old man instead of an old woman this time, because it was
1: Absalom the Caterpillar. Who yeah. sort
0: of really delivered that speech.
1: Yeah. And the rules in it's this... More un- patriarchal. And the rules in this university are, kill this sentient creature, <laughs> which she then does, and that's great, yeah. and then she goes and becomes a colonialist privateer for the British Empire. Well,
0: in, in Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> beheading Christopher <laughs> Lee in that serves as the first, well, the book spells it out nicely, the permission, Anakin's first real, like, kill of a person that he can then, that's a line crossed, that he can
1: now move on and kill more people as time goes on. Yeah, he killed that person completely by choice. Yes. He did not have to kill that person but he made a decision to do that yeah. and that's the beginning of his downfall yeah,
0: so now he's a, that, he's crossed that line he can do that more easily from now on yeah. Alice having beheaded Christopher Lee can <laughs> then presumably go and kill like natives <laughs>
1: yes yeah I mean I suppose thematically it works then
0: yeah, yeah. it's actually really clever
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a scathing indictment of empire yeah, is, well in as much <laughs> as it's nearly as good as one of the Star Wars <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> but massively misses being as good. As-
1: <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'll say that, yeah. like the you know the, the weird sort of colonialism stuff, yeah. it remains a weird button on yes, in, in but, Looking Glass. But I find it less weird
0: because at least in in Alice in Wonderland, they kind of tried to tell that story in a sense, or at least they nodded towards telling that story. In Looking Glass, you can just Imagine some sequence of events led her to... You know, know, I'm not not thinking about the day she talked to Hamish's dad. I'm just thinking about, okay, uh, like, Hook. Yeah. Like, Peter Pan somehow became whatever he is, a lawyer or whatever. Yeah. She somehow became whatever she is, a colonialist or whatever. (laughs) And now she's back to Wonderland shenanigans. Yeah. Hook does it better in that that has him realise the thing he's doing is, like, not true to his nature and stuff. Yeah. Which perhaps this film might have done as well. But,
1: but it absolutely doesn't. It doesn't, and yeah. it couldn't,
0: because it was, like, the triumph of the previous film was that she started.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look... It's they- like if Peter Pan, if the live-action
0: inevitable remake of Peter Pan has not become <laughs> a lawyer and <anyway. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> To follow his dream.
1: <laughs> like, clearly what they're trying to go for is yeah. the idea that she's becoming an adventurer an explorer yeah. someone you know going and discovering and you know meeting yes. with different uh, yes, yes. communities and cultures it's just it's- god
0: that is what it is and they really didn't get, that's something that they could have made apparent and they and they they didn't in the first one no No, they didn't. They really could have and we could have cheered her on to go exploring. They kind of... Why didn't they call it an explorer? Like, rather than like... Yeah, they... What she was doing was technically exploring but it was done through this colonialist sort of lens. Like,
1: we're going to set up, you know, probably abusive trade routes. Yeah, and... Yeah. (laughs) Um, But
0: here I think... that moment where she brings out the war chart and goes, we'll take China.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas here, I think they accentuated a lot better the idea that her primary goal in all this yep. is to see and appreciate other parts of yeah. the world. And and you had that, again, another example of what I thought was quite a good line, where she's talking to the, um you know, Hamish's new wife at the party. Yes. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I've seen the world. And the, the wife is like, oh, how was it? It's like, what the world? Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it was very nice. You should you should go there sometime. Yeah, yeah. And that was an, that I was like It was a good bit because it yeah. was
0: funny and it spoke to the incredibly crushed in nature of the society she just escaped. Yeah, it's a good line. It's a good line. There's a lot of good lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really liked a proper honest like laugh out of me was time going Time, the infinite, the eternal, the immortal, the immeasurable. Unless you got a clock.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was
3: such a good line.
1: That, in anything, that yeah. would be a good line. There was, like, Sacha Baron Cohen had a few good lines of that kind yeah. where where he's, I mean, that's the basis of the entire performance, was like, he right. will say something very self-important and pompous and then sort of undercut himself in an undertone yeah. immediately afterwards. And I laughed quite a bit at the Tea Party, where he's, like, asking after the Chronosphere, and he's like, I really need it back. It's not, like, really important to me, though. I don't know why you keep going on about it. <laughs> and, you know, like, um, he has a lot of good lines of that kind yeah. and again it's just it's a performance that works yeah. like there's very little about that performance that doesn't work yeah. to be honest there's very little about the film that just fly out doesn't work
0: no, It works, perfect. and there are so many times when I was sure it was about to do something that would be like oh here we go yeah. and it didn't do you realise that in that scene where, all, where the seconds are first introduced yeah. there's all there are these little minions there's one that's almost like a puppy one
1: yeah. None of them urinates. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> this is These are the small mercies that we must be thankful for in this day and age. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's actually like a
0: surprise that they didn't do something l- like that when they had the chance. Someone must have been going, Ah,
1: oh, I've got my hair! And
0: someone said no.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I'm not, I'm, I'm loath to bring that up as as ringing an endorsement <laughs> as as you are. Please definitely it's, def- to make that it's a, a good thing. Yeah. It's definitely a good thing. There's so much minion crap
0: they could have done with
1: them and they didn't. Yeah, agreed. But um the biggest thing for me that like you know, the one thing that I would identify as a really large foundational issue yeah. in the film is like, look, I appreciate the fact that it's written and performed in such a way that like you accept the fact that Alice is doing this thing that's wrong yeah. because she's headstrong and she cares and she has a certain, like, devil-may-care attitude to sort of the rules that other people impose yeah. on her.
0: Yeah, finally. Yeah. That's actually a good thing because in the first one, if she'd done that, it would be good.
1: But it does create a weird story structure yeah. whereby time is sort of our antagonist in this film. And like you say... He does nothing wrong yeah. at all. Yeah. You feel nothing but sympathy for him. <laughs> yeah. He's even, like, being beaten up by the Queen and stuff. As he's dying... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time is not being a dick yeah, no. by saying, you can't take the chronosphere yeah. to go and save this one guy. Yeah. Because that's not how time or fate or life works. Also, <clears throat> if you take it, time will disintegrate... Yeah. Like the entire universe will be destroyed, and I personally will experience a slow, agonizing death. Yeah. So don't do that, all right? <laughs> and then she just does. And unlike, and, yeah. and the film, like the film, it frames that as like, well, she's headstrong, but it also kind of, I think, is supposed to be giving us a more of a sense of. And also it's the right thing to do in a way than actually comes across. Yeah. Because, like, the, um... I think the thing I really didn't buy is the fact that all of, like, the other Wonderland denizens, yeah. including the Anne Hathaway Queen, yeah. are all as invested in the idea of her doing this yeah, all, uh, yeah. as anybody else. It's like, Alice, you're our only hope. Yeah. Only you can do this crucially important thing. And I understand why the why the White Queen was asking her to do what she was asked to do in the first film. I don't understand why the White Queen would care as much. Yeah. Or why anybody else other than Alice, who, okay, let's take it as read that she really gives sure. a crap about the Mad Hatter for some reason. But I don't see why everybody else, other than time, seems to be in agreement that the Mad Hatter's general well-being yeah. is worth risking the yeah. entire universe for. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it. what it does is it... Again, the worst part about this film is its previous film. Yeah. It, this would all make total sense if we had cared about the Mad Hatter. If yeah, if we, we
1: loved that. the Mad yeah, Hatter, yeah. If
0: they were really good mates... If yeah. They really had a good relationship with each other. If this was like something like, you know, Monsters Inc. Yeah. and it was happening to one of the two monsters and the other one had to say, you would of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course change time or the
1: little girl or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: like it, I don't know why I came up with that one, but just yeah, like yeah. something where two people become really good friends and you really And like the their chemistry
1: friends. is really something you've invested yeah, uh, strongly in. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so like I still don't know why I went straight to Monsters Inc. Like, apparently that's my first go to. I haven't thought about it in like months, but that's my <laughs> film that I think of where two characters are friends
1: hey it's a good film it's a good film
0: <laughs> so I think what you have here is a situation where it, and the, the previous film uh, had this as one of its major problems yeah it relied on your pop culture knowledge of Alice in Wonderland as a thing yeah this one relies on your pop culture knowledge yeah of Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter yeah being an important character in pop culture which yeah. is not yeah but he was supposed to be. Yeah. And nobody can admit that he wasn't because then t- Tim Burton would have failed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, and also because the first one grossed over a billion dollars in yeah. the box office, so they they kind of had yeah. a reason to at least go through the motions of pretending people still thought that. That's it. But even then, even then It's just though, not
0: in the film. It's not one of the features of it, and they, they pretend it is.
1: Yeah. Even then though, like I said, I still don't agree with the idea that that even like the ruler of this kingdom would agree that <laughs> yeah. he was that important, yeah. And also, for me, one of the biggest, the biggest problem is the fact that, like, that fact that what Alice is doing is basically massively irresponsible and morally the wrong thing to do, mm. uh, it doesn't really conclude for any particular reason, yeah. it's just a, a certain arbitrary point, yeah. Alice just has a moment of clarity and realises yeah. oh wait, that thing that like time has been telling me mm. consistently yeah. every time I've seen him yeah. for the last hour and a half of film oh yeah, that's actually true <laughs> oh, I better fix everything yeah. you know what I mean, there's not and there's also <laughs> an element
0: of, it's not just that she has this, I think what would have been perhaps a bit more satisfying is if she had some form of comeuppance yeah. and then decided and made a decision but actually she only put it right because she was running for her life like it was do you know yeah. what i mean like the stuff was happening that the, the the cool time thorns were coming in yeah so you yeah had to fly through it to get to the thing to stop that happening like she was in her own peril
1: but i mean the reason that she decided to make the turn is because the red queen had taken the chronosphere oh, and I'm gone I'm back in time what's this you know like she had gone back in time to the you know the formative incident yeah. in their child in their childhoods yeah and locked all the rest of them up and that's when alice realized oh i've done a bad thing but it's like yeah but now it's got uh, gone now at hand and you realize that the doomsday scenario has accelerated but this isn't the this isn't the turn that's caused the doomsday scenario to be on the cards the doomsday scenario probably would have happened anyway yeah like this is still on you this is not her fault you've let all this happen and you've not really yes, now you, come to terms with that
0: yeah and now that you bring it up
1: i think it works in the moment
0: but there is a bit of a confusion as to what exactly causes what apocalypse how because it's it's only when t- the same person sees themselves that it actually screws up the actual changing of time doesn't do it,
1: does no, it i mean it seems like this person seeing themselves is the thing that creates that frankly awesome looking oh, like yeah. rust explosion oh, apocalypse so really yeah. really fascinating bit of design
0: and it kind of fits in with the with the queen of hearts is like thorny bush motif that her castle is made out of yeah i love the design of that place including the interior and it's one of the few like evil lairs i've seen that i'm like yeah that'd be great i'd love to live in a place <laughs> that just like that it's awesome
1: it's just quite nice the thing that I really liked about the apocalypse scenes is, like, yeah. I generally found them kind of, like, breathtakingly horrible, in a sense, because there's just something really disturbing about the idea of the sky yeah. suddenly just turning into yeah. something else. Yeah. <laughs> um... You know, like, because I was okay with just seeing everything on the ground know, just yeah. turned to rust, but then the sky, the sky goes, suddenly yeah. rusts over. It's like, that's really horrible. There was a, there was a
0: thing, I can't remember if it was a meme or if it was something that a particular person said, but there was a thing going around the internet a few years ago, I want to say like 2011 sort of time, Yeah, which was like, imagine how horrifying it would be if all the air turned into wood. Yeah, that would be awful. (laughs) Really bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a silly thing. Yeah. But when you do take it momentarily seriously and you think about it, you're like,
1: ah! Yeah! Exactly, yeah. What if it did? If anything ever happened to the sky, (laughs) that would be really disturbing. Yeah. Um, I would be (laughs) firmly against it. Yes. But yeah, that was the result of them seeing each other. But I think that time was going to disintegrate anyway yeah, because probably, yeah. she'd taken the chronosphere and the, the big clock was starting to fall apart and all that. Yeah. So it probably would have gone bad anyway yeah. but that accelerated it.
0: I get the sense that the only reason it wasn't falling apart was because time himself kept like being like Arr! and forcing the hands not to do stuff. Yeah. But it was killing
1: him. Yes. Again, like Alex is kind of the villain in all of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's not properly held to account for that. But frankly... That's a, that is a really small complaint in terms of how it figures into the texture of the yeah. film compared to literally anything in that first film. Oh. Literally anything. This
0: film fixes stuff in that first film that it shouldn't have to because it was dumb. But li- yeah. little stuff like the thing about how their whole, their whole family history goes back to Who Stole Tarts. Yeah, kind of retroactively fixes the bit where she's yelling at a frog about whether he's eaten the tarts. Yeah, it like makes sense why she'd be interested in tarts because that is never mentioned again in the film at all. In the first film, there's no. no other mention of tarts, and it's like the conclusion of the the whole court case at the end of the original Alice is about who ate the tarts. So it's a reference. Yeah, just makes sense in this. Yeah, but now it does. The yeah. tea party, like we, I said in the previous episode that, that how stupid it was that in. What could have been... You were talking about it, they should have depicted Wonderland as this place with anyone in it. Yeah. And I mentioned how there's just this tea party in the middle of nowhere that's apparently under the thumb of the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. Well, this film explains why they're always just sitting at this tea party. It's because of something time does. Yeah. Which is also goes back to the book, but in a good way, in an entertaining way to reference a random thing in the book. Yeah. No, well, not... Okay, not that good. It's not very good,
1: but... But it's, it's, it works. Yeah. It functions. Yeah. And, like... It works, it functions, is not something I'd ever say about any part of the first film. No. This has turned into a rave, hasn't it? Yeah. It's good, is It's not a terrible film, and that's yeah. important. Why do we make terrible films? Why isn't this the worst kind of film we make for children? Well, look, I've seen a lot of people in the film industry... Yeah very often say a variation on it is a miracle that anybody makes films sure yeah okay yeah that any film is ever even finished yeah. given the number of moving parts involved in it i'm willing to believe those people absolutely and give the and therefore give more of the benefit of the doubt oh, to God. just when a bad bad film comes along yeah i said it about johnny depp but i'd say about the vast majority of the people that I see in that film and see, and whose work I can see in that yeah. film, I can look at it and if I take it out as, a, as just a slice, it's like, yeah, I can 100% see why you thought this was going to add up. You know, if you did this and everyone else did good things, it would, that what you did would be part yeah. of something good. But it doesn't add up. It's all yeah. just the wrong ingredients in the wrong quantities and in the wrong order mixed in the wrong way. I, I think it's a Kingdom of the Sun that came out. Yeah, but m- most I think most bad films are that.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean I'd love to see in the same way as the sweatbox. I'd love to see the behind the scenes documentary about the making of Tim Burton's Alice and I'd, I'm sure I'd find everyone in it to be doing an exciting job.
1: Yeah. Um but it does but, not add up to a um, good. Look like this is it. I say these things and I remember these things so that I don't so that I don't attack anybody. Yeah. Like for making bad work, but yeah that's not the same as excusing the final product. Because no. it's bad. It's it a bad movie, yeah. and it's it does not work. Yeah. And, you know, I don't retract anything I say about, like, it is a lot of those people working in their comfort zone. And they're trying to do yeah. good work, but they're not pushing themselves in the way that they might.
0: This is why I'm far more comfortable in being annoyed about, say, Transformers Four than something like I don't know, just a, a normal bad film that comes out. Because usually people yeah. are trying, yeah. and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas the kind of film that I'm comfortable being angry about, if you like, yeah. are the ones where. People tried and a bad thing happened and everyone liked it, so they deliberately did it again. <laughs> That's an assault by film. But when it's yeah. just an attempt that goes wrong, but I still think I've. I mean, you well, saw me live tweeting my way through Transformers 4. Yeah.
1: Alice is worse. I think that the fact that the Transformers movies, up until the most recent one, made so much money and were as popular as they were, showed that it was working. What they were doing was a success by a certain definition of success. Mm -hmm. So, really, why would they change? what they were doing. Just um, morals. (laughs) But, clearly, clearly there were enough people with a different moral spectrum, (laughs) different moral compass on that, that were deeming that work to be successful and achieving what they wanted it to achieve. That There was no reason for them to change doing that, whereas... Yes, I can
0: completely understand why they made those films.
1: But with Tim Burns' Alice, the fact that nobody showed up for the second one shows that no, the first one wasn't a success, really, by anybody's estimation. And I, look, I'm not saying that um, box office results equals quality no, or, sure. or equals validity, yeah, yeah. but it really, I think, does tell you a lot about a two-movie series where the first one grosses yeah. one point-whatever billion dollars and the second one grosses, like, a fifth of that. Oh, um, oh,
0: uh, it was robbed! It's a much better film.
1: It is a much better film, but like I say, it bore the brunt of the fact that nobody, nobody liked the first film, really, in any real terms. We'll get letters. Somebody will. Well, look. When I say nobody, I mean <laughs> there was not a critical yeah. mass of people to push it over into be a viable thing yeah. that a giant cultural I juggernaut like Disney can be making. It. No Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> But it's not even a Transformers. Yeah. You know, there was clearly a critical mass of people on four out of five occasions with that film, Um, or maybe three out of four occasions, because maybe, maybe, maybe you were right about Transformers 4, because no one showed up for Transformers 5. (laughs) Maybe that, maybe that's the big differentiator. Um,
0: Yeah, but I didn't find 4 any more hateful than 2 or 3, so that doesn't explain that.
1: I think it was worse in some way. But, but that's, a di- that's a different series of podcasts. Uh, but, like, um, even then, yep. even bearing in mind that ultimately in the final analysis, I don't really think anybody did like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. If they had released this film in 2012, okay. I think it would have done reasonably well. Yeah. You know, when people were still being carried on with the basic momentum. You know, like, this came out six years yeah. after the first one. That's a stupid amount of time to leave a sequel to a film that people didn't like. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it came out. Nor do I. If they didn't make it in 2012, I don't know why they'd made it at all. Yeah. And it was a shame, because this perfectly functional film was just subjected to this humiliating public drowning yeah. for the crimes of its predecessor. And I nobody hope... stepped in, because nobody cared. Because yeah. it was way too long afterwards for anybody to care. I hope nobody blames James Bowen for that. No, I, I 100% hope not. Because yeah. he should get more work. Yeah. This was not on him. This was not a Josh Trank on Fantastic Four incident. He put in good work here, and I will be interested to see what his next film is. Mm. Kind of, hopefully, it won't be the Men in Black Jump Street crossover that he was linked to, because I'm not sure that's a good idea.
0: I'm not sure it is, but it's one of those things (laughs) where, again... In the right hands, and if you don't care much about it, that could prove an entertaining couple of hours on a Boxing Day afternoon, couldn't it?
1: That's true. That is true. It's, but it, it is also, has the stench of one of those ideas that even if he does make a good yes. a film of that quality, that the overarching, like, not-wantedness of the idea... Yes will again doom it and doom him.
0: I don't know if this... I don't know what point I'm making with this, but his first Muppets film, I assume his first Muppets film was, you know, The Muppets one, where... Yeah. Was
1: it just called The Muppets? Yeah, it was just called The Muppets, yeah. That
0: film was also one of these sorts of films, but it should have been an event film see that was the big comeback of the Muppets yeah How, the story was that it was the big comeback of the Muppets and that they reinstated the Muppet show to this great triumph a big criticism I had of it is yeah. that therefore the structure of the film should have been a load of japes leading up to a triumphant Muppet show which yeah. they didn't show they just kept cutting away to just hijinks happening they they did like a, a verse of Rainbow Connection and
1: did, I know
0: and I was really annoyed at
1: that I was very upset with that Yeah, it's like if you're going to If you're gonna pull out Rainbow Connection in a Muppet film, don't
0: cut away from it. Yeah, Yeah. that should have been the finale or something. Yeah, Um, and I think in the story it was. Yeah, but in the film it wasn't, and that. So maybe this is where James Bobin sits. Maybe he makes. Maybe he has
1: limitations. Yeah, I don't know
0: limitations if you like, but like it's a kind of film I enjoy. It's just not an event film, and so yeah, don't put him on Alice One, but put him on Alice Two, and you'll get a great one. Yeah. Um, like I said, I... Muppets, I I preferred the second Muppets he did. Muppets
1: I've still not seen that. I thought I loved it. Okay. I
0: loved it. I was sat through it just giggling away. We Honestly, we had a really good time. Huh. Again, because it's not an event film. It kind of takes me back to like Muppets Take Manhattan, which I loved when I was a kid. Sometimes when chatting with a friend, you tend to sort of just forget that you're making a flipping podcast. And so you ramble on, and in the edit there are choices to be made. Here's where the talking petered out. I checked inside my notes to find the next thing that we ought to mention. And then we simply did, and so there's no connective tissue in between. I didn't like the Queen in this. I put uh, My note here is the Queen is the one holdover from a much worse movie. Purely because mm. I didn't find her performance to be altered by being in this film, whereas everyone else's idea.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of agree with that. With that said, where do you go with that performance?
0: Well, I guess you go... I, I think you go the, the Anne Hathaway route. You make it more ag- aggressively comedic. Yeah. Um, because I think... Here's the thing. I think maybe that is Helena Bonham Carter being funny, and it just... Isn't funny, Master of the House. You know. Yeah, I mean, maybe,
1: just... maybe. I don't. With that said, though, I did think that in the points in this film where she had to kind of bring a sort of an undercurrent of like sad vulnerability, she she did bring that across.
0: Actually, I really quite liked her in the um, in the flashback of the coronation scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For example, I thought she was good in that bit. And in the context of this new reality, I have to step away from something that I... There was a big criticism of mine in the previous film, which is the the, um, giving everyone weird names. I think
1: calling the Queen of Hearts Erasabeth is flipping brilliant. I actually quite... I think that the names are quite well constructed. It's just they're really poorly deployed. Yeah, in the first, I one. couldn't
0: hear most of them.
1: Yeah, Absalom was the only one
0: where I knew what they'd said.
1: Tarrant High Top is not the worst name anyone's come up with. It's
0: not. We it, it's flavored by what Tarrant means in the UK.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, okay, then High Top. But that's fine as a, yeah. as, a, as a surname.
0: Yeah, and giving him and I assume that they, I assume that to them Tarrant it means a sort of kind of a high class name. Yeah, that he has sort of fallen away from the family that gave him it yeah so yes it's a perfectly well chosen name
1: I think the names are reasonably like I said if they were in a better film which they now are then they're okay Yeah. yeah once more we find a little gap and after
0: it the subject changes track and there's no explanation so here's the tune again to get me out of this peculiar jam
1: bum bum it was fun. It was imaginatively yeah. done. Like you know, you get some character moments, like the two Tweedles, both trying to open the same door yeah. from different sides and saying, "Oh, it's locked." Um, it was just. It was just good. It yeah. was just. It was a good shot in a well-directed film it that was. generally works. Yeah.
0: Well done, <laughs> James Bobin's Alice Through the Looking Glass. Yeah. You
1: function as you a sure? film.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that seems like really fake praise. But no, I, I genuinely had a good time watching it. Yes. Uh, but that's not what always happens when you watch an Alice film. And no. The way that I've decided to segue is because, look, we are... Um, this is the Alice... Pod- this is probably the last Alice podcast I'm going to do. Yeah. Because, you know, we've talked about these two films. Everyone knows about the Disney Alice. Yeah. If we go through the, the, the classics, then we'll talk about Alice again. But yeah. this is the time I think it's relevant to talk about the time I made you watch Jan Spankmeyer's Alice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... So guys, so the reason we do this podcast, the genesis of it was that several years ago we used to watch all the Disney animated classics together and then we would watch tangentially related yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, when it came to Alice, I, I just knew exactly what I wanted to show you. Yeah. And um, I've not seen a face like that on you <laughs> or heard noises like that coming out of you. What, how would you describe, for, for those who don't know... How would you describe Jan Svankmajer's masterpiece, Alice? <laughs> Actually, its I can't pronounce the real name, but I think it's called, like, Something from Alice in direct translation, but it's called uh, Alice here.
1: Like a really disturbing sort of European art movie yeah. that felt like it lasted three hours, but probably was, like, only an hour. Yeah. That was just, you know, like, just <laughs> image after image of, like, abstract grotesquerie. That's right, yeah. Look, I I don't know whether... When I think... When I try and remember yeah. Jan Swankmaier's Alice, it just calls to mind all sorts of mental images, most of which I'm sure aren't in the film. They might be. What comes to my mind is, like, the image of, like, a seam in burlap splitting yeah. open and maggots coming out of yes, it. Yes, no, that's in it. Yep. That's in it? That's all in right, it. okay. Is there a razor slicing into a cow's eyeball? <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no, right that's again this is the imagery that comes into my head when i think of your hands frank miles well always. i was that a joke because that is from something
0: it's from an early surrealism <laughs> film i can't remember right. what it's called but it's it's like the one it's this it's this famously horrible to watch film where yeah. it's really really random images and one of them someone lifts a razor to i think a woman's eye yeah. and then it cuts to a cow's eye actually being okay cut by the razor so it's like yeah, that is a real, absolutely grotesque moment from a film, just not this one. Do
1: you see why that would come to my mind, though? I do. And also, accompanying all of this, a quite bored-sounding little girl going, Said the That's white the ride rabbit. rabbit, yes.
0: <laughs> That's right. So, Alice, it's a film... Jan Svankmajer is a... Um, not cased. <laughs> he's a Czech filmmaker. He's a surrealist. And the one thing I really know about, because I haven't really read about him in, in any great detail, but his films were not exactly banned. Yeah. Actually, they might have been banned, but nobody could actually categorise why. Um, It was one of those, I'll know it when I see
1: it, situations. Oh, wait, wasn't the eyeball-slicing one, wasn't that the film that Salvador Dali made?
0: It might have been, I don't know. It might have been. Carry on. Um, His films were given to other Czech filmmakers as an example of what not to make, (laughs) in lieu of an actual, like, list of (laughs) <laughs> rules that are, that will get your film banned yeah they're just like don't make a film like this <laughs> yeah. he was so in that context he was a a very rebellious filmmaker who was yeah. making incredibly hard-hitting things most of his films are like um that i've seen and i haven't seen all of them but he made he was a short filmmaker very much an art filmmaker never like expected his films to be feature length or in cinemas or yeah. anything yeah but he made things like, um, there's this famous film he made where a human body draws itself together out of pieces in the most grotesque way possible. So yeah. Like, there's just this, like an eye gathers some clay and makes a face, but it looks just like a real man's face, but it's stop-motion animation. Yeah. He, some worm fingers come wriggling in and he, he. no, that's the penis. <laughs> It's all very grotesque and real looking. But also, if you watch it in the right frame of mind, very genuinely What's dying. the right frame of mind? Well, don't think about Alice now because this is really Right. Funny. Okay. This film, if watched in the right frame of mind, is really funny. The way this guy is like squashing a nose onto himself and it, it it's the it's the timing of it the okay. way it's done. It's like a, it's like, you know, some rebellious Aardman animator's personal project. I sort see. Of thing. Okay. Um, But he went all the way up to where he was making films, and he did want to make something that was in some way a statement. Now, I don't know what the statement is in Alice. Yeah. Um, Nor do I. (laughs) But my, my history with this is that I assume what happened was this. I assume my parents noticed there was an Alice in Wonderland film on. Yeah. Videoed it for me. Yeah. Took one look at it. Yeah. And went, we won't tell him about that. So, um, <laughs> so we just—it was a video we used. And one day, I was just watching one of my videos, one yeah. of my VHS tapes, and the thing that was on it finished. Yeah. And then the thing happened where you know, like th- this is how VHS tapes used to work. Once you got to the end of a deliberately taped thing, the thing that was on underneath it gradually revealed itself. Yeah, kind of moved down the screen for a while, and then you would have a moment with no sound, and then it would come on, and. And it was just this absolutely... This absolute nightmare. Wrong version of Alice.
1: Yeah. And I just
0: loved it. <laughs> Weirdly, I didn't notice that first time how grotesque and how scary it was. I was just like, oh, okay. Hmm. all right. <laughs> oh, you know, even though I'm a kid. I'm like, all right.
1: So it must have... You were in a weird mental place at that time. It must
0: have just really dug its nails in and gone like, yeah, here's, here's a way of doing things. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, everyone, this, it, it's done in... The most strange way... Everything is stop-motion animated, apart from Alice herself. Who, instead of inhabiting this wide, wonderful world, is basically stuck in a derelict building. Yeah. And all the different rooms in it. And she looks, more than I've ever seen in my life, like someone who doesn't want to be in the film. (laughs) Almost more than Johnny Depp in Tim Burton's Alice. It's, It's like, she looks like they just had to, like stop her crying to film each scene.
1: Yeah, um, I can empathise.
0: Yeah. Um, it's... So she's wandering, drifting silently through these halls. She's silent. all that She never says a single thing. She just looks with these big scared child eyes at different things. And the things she sees... At different, different like, horrors. The, the The white rabbit is a taxidermy rabbit. A ah, one. yes, of course. It's, a, it's not... As far as I can tell, it's actually a taxidermied rabbit, or it's been made to look exactly like one and in in the in the film it's a taxidermy rabbit he keeps hurting himself and sawdust comes out so he has to sew himself back up again yeah i can't remember under what circumstances there are maggots but i'm pretty sure there are i think it's in a, a someone who's actually meant to be dead yeah um there are the the bit where you have you know various dodos and things these are represented by the the skulls of fish that are sort of hopping around there's one bit where she has a fight with a tongue. A real and it is a real tongue. He used real meat. <sighs> and he would stop motion animate meat. <laughs> um There's the uh and then there's there's imaginative things. Once you've once you're in that that context, there are really imaginative ways that he translates different stuff from Alice into that. So for instance, the caterpillar is just one of many caterpillars, but they're socks. There's just socks running rampant in this room, and Alice has to like try and force her socks from migrating into this pack of socks Uh, that are drilling down into the floorboards kicking up sawdust everywhere she has to hold her socks on they come off anyway one of them ends up crawling up onto this table opening a a drawer in it getting out a needle and thread and sewing a pair of eyes and false teeth onto itself to make itself able to communicate (laughs) and it then says in the same voice as the child who's narrating alice you know, one side will make you shorter, but it's not a mushroom. It's a—it's the, the knob of the, of the drawer, which she has to painfully bite into this wood, and then she doesn't even change size. It's just some stuff in the room she's in does. So now she's bigger than stuff or smaller than stuff. Yeah. But eventually she does change size and goes small she turns into this little porcelain doll. Like, and it is a little porcelain doll of the sort that you could get in those days, stop-motion animated. When she then eats the other side to grow big, she finds herself encased in a static, giant, like, doll of herself that she has to physically break out of, but not before being dragged down a flight of stairs. (laughs) So everything in this is
1: really odd and done quietly... And done eerily. I believe um, that they either watched, or at least Mira Vazikowska watched this film. Yes. As, as part, of, as the, part the of their research yes. for the first one. Um, wasn't really reflected in nah. the first one, but I mean, I guess maybe that informed certain elements of the.
0: Well, no, it did. She doesn't react to anything.
1: Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that could have been it. <laughs> Maybe her, you know, we can say it, terrible performance. Terrible performance. In
0: that now first... that I can say she gives a good performance in the second film. Yeah. She gives, or rather someone takes, a terrible performance from her in the first one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And was, that, was it an homage? <laughs> I don't know. So,
0: when you saw this... this uh Jan Myers, Alice, I'm pretty sure you thought
1: I was pranking you the whole time, but it is genuinely, like, a well-thought-of film. Yeah, no, I know. I've, I've it's, a, it's a masterpiece. I've subsequently be made myself aware of yeah. the literature surrounding... It's
0: just that it's not what you'd call pleasant to watch, when what you're there to watch is Disney films.
1: Yes. Yeah, so... I didn't like that you made me watch that, no. and I don't Maybe like. You watch I don't it again like you <laughs> after having watched Tim Burton's Alice, and you'd be like, "Wow, this is a really engaging film." That won't happen with a really like solid through plot. <laughs> that won't happen. A, in terms of I won't watch it again, and B, I won't think that. <laughs> There's one
0: bit where she finds the uh, the White Rabbit's house. Yeah, and she go, and it's this lavishly made house out of dominoes and playing cards. Up on a table because everything's weird in this. So she climbs up it, goes inside,
1: and there's a razor blade, and she cuts into her own eye. <laughs> and inside is
0: just... hutches. She's just like running through hutches, and like it's like that's how he's built his house. She gets, unless I'm mixing up with another bit. She gets to his bed, and she just lifts off
1: the duvet, and there's just rabbit droppings all in the bed. <laughs> And she turns around and there's just a Frenchman in the, with just a cigarette yep. dangling out of his mouth. Yep. It's in black and white. Yeah, and a little rocket crashes into the moon in <laughs> <Yeah. her> face. <laughs> These are my memories of well, this film. Is,
0: that, to be serious for a moment, I, I actually do think that like that is the sort of lineage that film has. Yeah. I think that people who understand how to respond to it artistically, which yeah. they don't, I just think it's a cool, weird Alice, um... I think that's the lineage that they see.
1: Look, if I went back there with, like, a student's eye, exactly. I'd probably get something out of it, but, like... Yeah.
0: What, with a razor blade? <laughs> yeah. Get something my, out of your student's eye. Yeah,
1: probably. You know, like you said, put myself in the right frame of mind. Oh, I don't like the way you even <laughs> talked about that. It's such a horrible <laughs> thing. That, I'm never watching that, that film. Not that far above what is in Svangmire's Alice.
0: There Not- it is. No, cutting an eye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay. Um, I don't want to watch it again. No, but worry, if I, I did, thing. I would watch it I with a very it. different. Even frame though of I mind. do have a tab of it open, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't open it to make you
0: watch it. I opened it because of. You the-
1: always have it open.
0: Yeah, no, because of the next thing I want to talk about. Because I genuinely. Now, having gone back and rewatched something else. I genuinely think that Jan Strandmeier's Alice was inspired by something that my granddad had me watch when I was about four years old. Okay. I'm going to show you a couple of bits, and like the, the listeners at home can. These are readily available on YouTube, so they can have if they want. When I was very little, my granddad was around, and he was the only person who was there. I know where everyone else had gone. And Alice was on. And there was a version of Alice on TV. And we sat down to watch it. And it was quite the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And I remember <laughs> saying to him, like, Grandad, why <laughs> Why is it like this? Yeah. Yeah. And he said something along the lines of, they thought it would be interesting. Yeah. It's directed by Jonathan Miller. And Jonathan Miller, it turns out, is one of the... It uh, might be one of the Beyond the Fringe people or something. He's from an old comedy thing. Okay. Sort of a pre-Python team of, of prominent British comics. Post-goon show. Right. Um, But also he made quite highbrow, sensible things. So he made an Alice with quite a well-known cast. You have Peter Cook is the Mad Hatter. Right, okay. Um, Leo McKern is the Duchess. Um, Michael Goff is the March Hare. And also, I believe he was the March Hare in Tim Burton's Alice. No,
1: he was the Dodo. He was the Dodo, yeah. Yes. Like, that was his last role in Tim Burton's Alice. But he's Alfred, right,
0: from 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I mean, Tim Byrne loves that guy. Right.
0: Yeah. Peter Sellers is the King of Hearts, John Gielgud is the... Right, title. It's okay. a cast like this. Yes, yeah, that's um, a good one. And, um... But what they did was... There's no animals in it. Okay. It's all just people. It's all just guys. And this what, was... Like the Terry Jones Wind in the Willows? Even more. Because the Terry Jones Wind in the Willows was at least, like, so much like these people were dressing up like the yeah, in the window bellows, the, the conceit made no sense. So, like, <laughs> at the start, I liked how you had... I thought it was a- an absolutely brilliant idea to have... Eric Idle was ratty, right? Yes. Steve Coogan was mole. And they were just like, what if those two people were people? I thought it was brilliant at that stage. Yeah. When Terry Jones showed up as Mr. Toad... Yeah. ...painted green, <laughs> the whole thing was ruined for me. Yeah, I
1: this, can see
3: that,
0: yeah. This doesn't do that. What this does is it literally just has everyone is just people. They're just people. And this is what I was quizzing my granddad on. Yeah. But I now see that by doing that, by taking, let's say, like the caucus race bit at the beginning with all of the dodos and eaglets and whatever it is yes. and mice and just casting them as people, suddenly they are the fusty old Dean. ...from Cambridge... ...or whatever they happen I to be. See. And you can re... Like, by presenting it like that... ...you're back to satire. I and see, it yeah. it is a okay. good idea. The only problem is... ...it's really boring. <laughs> I watched it through this week... ...it's extremely long and dull... And it, ...and it features... ...lengthy sections of Alice... ...who, by the way, is portrayed... ...and this is why I think... ...Jan Schwenkmeier may have watched this... ...she is portrayed in total deadpan... ...throughout. She never says anything... But her voice is voiceover, so sometimes she'll she'll be addressing someone, and you can hear her words, yeah. but she's just just blank-faced, not moving her mouth.
1: Well, never, I link.
0: Yeah, yeah, but never looking at anyone. She's always just in the corner of the frame, just staring out into space as the weird stuff happens around okay. her, which adds to the dream quality. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. boring. There are all these moments of her just running around in... Um, oh, yeah, like Jan Schwenkmeier made it this one derelict building... In this, it's this one stately home that she's running around in. Yeah. Or the grounds of. And um, trying different doors, finding different bits of Alice in Wonderland through them. So I genuinely think he may have seen it. um, Because it's an old black and white film, 1966, and there are these... uh, You can even imagine this, if I tell you. There are these long sequences of her running down corridors while... 1960s bongos play. You know, the thing where it's like and the character's running towards the camera and then they run towards the camera again because yeah. it cuts to earlier. That stuff. It's all this. And I have a bit of it queued up. This is Alan Bennett as the mouse in the Caucus Race bit. Okay. And it'll just give you a good sense of exactly where they played the line between animal characters and human characters. Oh, I
1: see. <laughs> I think the main problem is how we all get dry.
2: If you'll all be quiet and listen to me, I'll soon make you dry enough. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Are you ready? Here is the driest thing that I know. Yes, yes, yes. Silence all round, please. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. William Conqueror, yes. whose cause was favored by the Pope, was soon submitted to by the English, who wanted leaders. And we were of late much accustomed to usurpation yes, and conquest. Yes, yes, yes. Edwin and Morcar, yes, 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 yes. the earls of Mercia yes, and Northumbria. I have never been so bored in my life. Yes,
3: yes, 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 yes.
2: Did you speak? No, yes. oh, not a word. Yes yes, yes, yes. I thought you did. Yes, yes. yes, yes. I shall yes. proceed. yes, yes. yes, yes. yes, yes, yes and I can see
0: what they're doing. And it is, I think, a quite clever way of making old, fusty people appear to be a gaggle of birds. Yeah. It works very well. The trouble is, there's only bits in it that work very well, and between them are these long stretches of, you have to just sit through art film stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that this would not make for a very entertaining watching experience. At the age of four. (laughs) No.
0: But everyone in it is technically brilliant. Yeah. It's just... You have to kind of force yourself through it. So it's a great idea, and I kind of yeah. want someone to do it again. Yeah. But now, and, and just do the satirical stuff. Yeah. Because that's word for word the book. Yeah. You, when you put yourself in... When you're not trying to tell a fairy tale about talking animals... Yeah, yeah. You can do that stuff, and you can yeah. do the satire again as it was written.
1: And that's something that neither of these recent Alice films even... They didn't even go within a mile of any of that no, stuff. No,
0: no. And so this brings me to the 1998 Kate Beckinsale through the looking glass. The best Alice. Okay. It's the best one. <laughs> it w- And it uses this. And it does other stuff as well. It was made by Channel 4 and someone else. Basically, there's no special effects in it. Yeah, yeah. There's almost no costumes in it. Um, All there is, is like... A phenomenal cast. Not a phenomenal cast in the Tim Burton's Alice way. Yeah, yeah. It's a phenomenal cast in the Channel 4 BBC way. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... Um, I'm trying to remember all their names now. Hang on, let me look it up. Here you are. Penelope Wilton's the White Queen. Geoffrey Palmer's the White King. Yeah, okay. you got Sean Phillips as the Red Queen. you got Steve Coogan as the Nat. Ian it's Holm. All, yeah. Ian Holm as the White Knight. That bit's brilliant. Ian Richardson's in it. It's People like that, it's these old actors... Yeah, yeah. ...who can act... And all they've done is they've given them the script of the book and they've gone, act! Okay. And they do! Like, I'm probably going to lend you it at some point because it's so genuinely right. good. Okay. Everyone in it is brilliant. I'm going to show you a bit. It's the bit with the gnat. And it gives you, uh, it gives you a, a good sense of, like... How the tone works. Because the main thing, and this is what I... By the way, I don't love everything about it. I think the bit with um, the Tweedles do the Walters and the Carpenter, and it's basically rubbish. Um, <laughs> well, because they have to do... They insisted on doing the full poems all the time. Oh. So, and sometimes they came up with good ways of doing it. Ian Holm does one of them, but it's presented... It cuts to like him in like a black-and-white silent film. Okay, right, yeah, that's doing. interesting. Meanwhile, him as the knight is there, in this film, sadly reciting it, while him in... Like, the kind of exaggerated like lipstick and cheek makeup of an old-fashioned uh, yeah. silent movie is there acting it out. So there's interesting bits walrus and the carpenter is just done as a kind of little puppet show with some dodgy 1998 stock rock music underneath it okay right alice though is great i still haven't seen kate beckinsale in anything else and i understand that wasn't she in like a really silly
1: schlocky underworld yeah yeah that series of films but she's been in like particularly in the last couple of years like well regarded oh she's still knocking it out yeah oh good because i was worried
0: that because of that one underworld, maybe she only got to be in Stupid Things? No,
1: there, there was... I can't remember the name of it. She was in a film like Just This Year or Last right. Year that was really, really acclaimed, great, and, you great. know, that she got really good write Because
0: she's phenomenal in it. Yeah. She's, all she has to do is walk around talking to herself. But she she's just the only person I've ever seen do it. And she she just gets it right. How old was she? About 25. Oh, right. So she's an adult. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So when she... Uh, talks to herself. And sometimes they have this conceit where she'll just turn over her shoulder and there'll be a weird mirror that she talks into. Yeah. Um, It's totally naturalistic. Yeah. It's word for word the book. And it, the, the, whoever directed this managed to... managed to take the book, change nothing, and to put it on screen. Not changing the tone, not changing the words. It's huh. the only time I've ever seen it done. And it's like, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. You, maybe you couldn't do it on its own, and so they add stuff. So now and then they'll um, they'll add some conceit to the way that it's portrayed, so that, for instance, uh, I can't think of any. It's all pretty much exactly the book. Um, well, I mean, the fact that she's 25 is a thing, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not mentioned. Huh. The only way that it's mentioned, and in fact, at one point, she says, I'm seven and a half years exactly. <laughs> right. So she is...
1: Right. Alice.
0: but the way that, that it's got this framing device where at the very start of the film she's reading alice to her daughter whose name is alice and okay. so she's like drifting off as she reads the book and then there's no obvious moment but you know that she's now dreaming when she goes through the mirror okay. to demonstrate that's what alice did yeah, yeah. and then after that it's just played straight um, and that's what's that's what it is it's just Played straight. Yeah, they'll start with these normal like crappy puppets, and then they'll just cut to the actor playing it. Yeah, with literally just one frame cut. Humpty Dumpty. They 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 have this egg, and then now there's a man up there. and okay. just, They just do the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But it works so well. So this is an example that I think it works well as an example of like how to do Alice deadpan played fairly straight, but well not deadpan, but like it works and it sounds like the book.
2: You don't like all insects.
3: I like ones that can talk. None of them talk where I come from.
2: What kind of insects do you rejoice in?
3: I, I don't rejoice in insects at all, because I'm rather afraid of them. Well, at least the large ones. But I could tell you the names of some of them.
2: And of course they answer to their names.
3: I never knew them do it.
2: What's the use of having names if they don't answer to them?
3: Mm. no use to them but useful to people that name them I suppose if not why do things have names at all
2: I can't say furthermore in the woods over there they have no names however go on with your list you're wasting time
3: Oh, um, well there's the horsefly
2: halfway up that bush you'll see a rocking horsefly it's made entirely of wood and it gets about by swinging itself from branch to branch
3: what does it live on
2: sap and sawdust go on with your list
3: Um, then there's the butterfly.
2: Crawling at your feet? You'll observe a bread and butterfly. Its wings are thin slices of bread and butter. Its body is a crust and its head is a lump of sugar.
3: And what does it live on?
2: Weak tea with cream in it.
3: But supposing it couldn't find any?
2: Well, then it would die, of course.
3: That must happen very often.
2: But it always happens. I suppose you wouldn't want to lose your name?
3: No, indeed.
2: And yet I don't know. I mean... Imagine how convenient it would be if you managed to go home without it. For instance, if the governess were to call you to your lessons, she would shout out, Come here! And there she'd have to stop, for there would be no name for her to call. And of course, you wouldn't have to go.
3: But that would never do, I'm sure. A governess wouldn't excuse me lessons for that.
2: Well, if she said miss, and then said nothing else, then of course, you'd miss your lessons. (laughs) That was a joke. I wish you had made it.
3: Why do you wish i had made it it was a very bad one <sighs> you shouldn't make jokes if it makes you so unhappy
1: mm. yeah this works pretty well okay. doesn't it yeah yeah that is
0: word for word how it goes yeah. in the book and they just did it this time yeah yeah and it, isn't it do you see how like knowing that that can be done yeah yeah and then Tim Burton's
1: Alice <laughs> yeah 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 with Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland because it wasn't a failure I mean it wasn't particularly well reviewed at the time but it also wasn't hammered by the critics yeah. it did phenomenally well commercially it's not well remembered but it's not the kind of thing that people are gonna look back on as like oh let's do a post-mortem on that yeah you know what I mean. Like I feel like in years to come, once the Statute of Limitations is dropped on it, maybe we might get a full tell-all behind the scenes story of like what happened that. on like Fantastic Four. Or yeah. some other film that's like just this legendary like everybody who was in it agrees, oh well, that didn't work. Yeah. And it didn't work for you know, didn't work for anybody. And so in years to come, Fox won't be super defensive maybe in twenty years about like the full story of what happened there. Whereas, like, and especially with Disney, because, you know, you saw what they did with the sweat box. You know, they... Yeah. they, 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 they... Still don't have it. Yeah, officially. We've got a
0: leaked version with the timestamp at the bottom.
1: I believe, for example, that you know how uh, on the Star Wars movies they released those big coffee table books on the making of the original three movies by a guy called J.E.W. Rinsler? Really, really detailed books. Really fascinating, just... Getting right into the granular detail of how these films were made. And he was going to do one on Force Awakens and now isn't. Uh. Because clearly that is not how Disney like the makings of their films to be put out into the public. Especially a film that was considered a success Mm -hmm. and that they're considering a foundation stone of a whole big commercial enterprise they're doing now. I don't think they want a whole tell-all book saying, you know, like, going through the, you know, quite famously, you know, like, high-pressure production history of something like The Force Awakens, you know, where, you know, I get pushed back six months, Mm -hmm. go through a couple of screenwriters, going through a lot to get the story right. And that's fascinating, but I think that Disney want to be seen as the dream factory. It's like well what we did is you know we turned on our big imagination machine and you know had a great guy come along and he came along and he you know a beautiful film was born fully formed into the world. You know that's clearly how they want their films to be seen. Especially if it was a film that was successful, and they don't have any vested interest well, yeah, in well, tearing yeah. down that edifice.
0: Yeah, I hope there is a sort of a statute of limitations on that sort of thing. because yeah. I mean, we know as adult fans that like the most interesting stuff about Disney is when you find out yeah. how these things were done and,
1: and what went how wrong. the sausage was made. Yeah.
0: Yes, because this. Okay, so the sweatbox was fascinating, and I'm kind of surprised that they've. Really, really kept it out of the public eye as much as they have. Yeah, because it's not like they're even interested in selling *Emperor's New
1: Groove*. Yeah, we should just, I suppose, specify that that that's what the sweatbox is. Oh yes, if you yeah. don't know, yeah,
0: they probably do. They're Disney fans. The sweatbox is the, is it Sting's wife? I don't know yeah Trudy
1: Styler thank you Yeah,
0: Uh, made a documentary of the making of this film that was it it seems that Sting was quite invested in as being allowed to make the music for a Disney film and then quite quickly he sort of wasn't anymore yeah when the whole thing sort of collapsed under the weight of its own attempt to be a Lion King
1: and was rebuilt into something literally 100% different yeah and better and probably better (laughs) (laughs) I I really like Ember's New Groove so do I but it was, you know, this documentary was supposed to be the making of the latest Disney classic yeah. made by the wife of somebody who was very directly involved, so with unprecedented access to yeah. everything. And then when it all collapsed halfway through, it suddenly became this fascinating story of, like, Disney under extreme duress yeah. trying to refashion something out of a disaster.
0: But we watched it, and I, I, I it's been a while, so I can't really remember it, but I don't remember it feeling like I don't think Disney come off as like particularly bad no, guys. No,
1: they don't. It's,
0: they don't. It's not, it doesn't even come off as like a giant failure. Like To <laughs> me, it's a success
1: story. Exactly. It's the story of how they pulled it, pulled this film out of the fire. But like I said, I don't think Disney even want yeah. to be seen as people who pulled something out of the fire. Yeah. They just want to be seen as, no, we're a well old machine. Everything's fine. Yeah. But you know? yeah, we know. We, I mean,
0: <laughs> we know that, that films change directors. We know that things are troubled. We know about the Black Cauldron.
1: Yeah. Like, even right now, we know what's going on with all these Star Wars movies. Gigantic just got axed. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's We know that Disney are, if not as susceptible to behind-the-scenes turmoil, maybe even more so because of how dedicated they are to keeping their products within a specific vision of how they want to put themselves across as a cultural organisation.
0: If a Disney film... It isn't perfect. Yeah, will be raped across the coals for generations. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Look at poor old, you know, things like Atlantis and Treasure Planet, which are perfectly fine films to watch. It's yeah, just they're
1: not. They don't sit comfortably within that image of disney that they've created and that the fans have created yeah. collaboratively between yeah. you know it's a it's a back and forth thing and disney are so so invested in mm. that because it's the most valuable thing they have yeah, the the fact that disney's cultural footprint is not just solely created by themselves yeah. there is a genuine sense that like we give to you and you pour your childhoods into it and it creates this You know, the magical kingdom. And that's not just us, the corporation who made some movies. It is a genuine establishment that is a contract between you and us. And we will do our job to provide it to you and you will feed the love back. That is the thing that the entire Walt Disney Corporation is built upon. And they do not want to do anything to undermine that and sometimes it makes them risk averse
0: well they yes sometimes they push towards and sometimes they pull away there's been, yeah. uh, for example there are now a, like D23 expo and there are there are special clubs you can be in where yeah. you do get to see a bit more than the rest of us and the yeah.
1: the, the closest like all those people who've seen the lion king footage that we will not see until it's yeah. a trailer. Well, the closest that
0: I've ever come to, to this private enterprise, because normally yeah. you have to actually be a paying member of a club and go to places, is when they started bringing out the Disney Treasures DVD. Oh ah, yeah, yeah. a fascinating thing. This was around starting about 2002-ish. It was initially these... these Tins yeah. with DVDs in, and it was. They were just essentially going through the whole archive and going, like Well, DVD exists now, let's put everything we have onto DVD. And yeah. it's like they gave it to a special team. I don't know the process behind it, I'd love to read about it or, or find out who they were, but they started putting out stuff that was really deep, like yeah, yeah. in depth stuff. I, I've got the, uh, we watched a few of them together, the old Mickey Mouse's in black and white, all in there. They haven't edited anything out. They did... Um, the other one I've got is the the day they opened Disneyland. There yeah. It was like a, a TV hour-long broadcast presented by actor Ronnie Reagan. Who, um, <laughs> um, and it was just like them showing you the stuff about Disneyland. It was like, thanks, Ronnie. Okay, well, here we have Futureland. Land. It's the future. Yeah. And there was a, a, a big musical sequence about, like, rifles and stuff. So, yeah. Was this, this kind of gun worship song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's pretty warts and all but then having done they, they did this for a very long time they, they were really bringing out these warts and all DVDs yeah. that you could buy and then basically they hit a wall yeah and the wall was they brought out everything from like the Mickey Mouse Club they brought out like every they brought out all the Oswald cartoons everything and then they just got to do we bring out Song of the South or not? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if we do, it's got to be a Disney treasure and they didn't do it and that was it. There were no more Disney treasures. Yeah. Now, I don't know to, to the extent that they hit that wall but the fans did. We were all like, well, the next one's got to be Song of the South. Yeah. And there were no next
1: ones. Yeah, yeah. And
0: it was like, and now you can't get them. Like, I tried to I tried to buy my dad uh, dr sin the scarecrow of Romney marsh yeah. which was a disney film that he saw in the cinema but it, it played with sword in the stone okay back when you know you used to have two films yeah yeah he just really liked it and he i remember him talking about it when i was a kid so i found it and I, I bought it and it was better than i expected because these disney treasures people had gone to the extent of not only was it it wasn't like the film my dad watched which was like an hour and a half long black and white 4 by 3 film. Yeah. No. They dug out the original version filmed for TV in some way. Yeah. Which was three episodes, full colour, widescreen. Huh. Because he just saw that that was the future. He just went, well, we'll probably want it in widescreen one day when TV catches up, so I'll film it in full colour and widescreen. <laughs> right. Even though TV is black and white and 4 by 3 Yeah. I'll just film it that way. So they just dug out this thing and went like, uh, we've got this. Let's put it out on DVD. Yeah. And they did. And I bought this for my dad for 30 quid and it didn't arrive, it just didn't uh. show up. And I asked; I wrote to the people, I said it didn't show up, it was on eBay or something, and I think it, maybe I was scammed, I don't know, but I don't yeah. think I was. It, just, it was all fairly normal, and it just got lost in the post, and they went, oh, uh, well, we'll send you another one, but you have to wait until we get another one in, we haven't got it, and I'm like, yeah, no, sure, okay. And I can't, I can't even remember if they refunded the money or not, mm. but that was the last time I saw that DVD for under 200 quid. Jeez. Um, the reason they haven't got any more in was that Disney Treasures were no longer manufactured. Yeah. And um, I've seen it for a thousand. Yeah. You just can't get it anymore. It's, you know... Yeah. Very, very rare. Um, it's got to the point where people are just openly selling pirated copies on eBay and nobody's shutting it down because, like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Disney so, are so strange with the way they approach this stuff. Yeah. Because but, when they do go out... Exactly. ...all out with the uh, the... Let's present this to you with the proper historical context. They really go all out.
0: Like, the we saw it quite recently happen when um, the, with the with the birth of Blu-ray. They yeah. We brought out the Snow White Blu-ray, which is one of the most in-depth discs I've ever seen of yeah. making of stuff. It's got absolutely everything. And then four films later, there's no special features. There's not even a cover anymore. There's just, like, the character with a sort of a star effect coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very sad what's happened to to special features.
1: Oh, that that's died.
0: Yeah. I don't know gone. why. Was well, because iTunes. You you can you nobody buys discs anymore. There was...
1: But that's the reason to make
0: discs yeah, fancy. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Put them in a very special box. Instead they did it the other way around. The special boxes came out when, you know, DVDs were still 15 to 20 quid. Yeah. But then you could pay twenty-five for the really fancy DVD. And that's what I did. Again, Snow White, when they first brought that out on DVD. It was near the start of DVD. Yeah, so I remember, yeah. In, and they brought it out with great fanfare. There was a normal edition, and then there was this book. The, book, the box looked like a book. They did it for Jungle Book, they yeah. did it for Sleeping Beauty, but nobody ever bought that one, so it was very hard to find. It just had tons of special features, and the Blu-ray lived up to that by having all of those and then more Yeah, yeah, in HD. And it was just, like, a few... Uh, it wasn't the first special edition Disney film. I think that was Tarzan. When huh. that came out they brought out a very fancy DVD which I, I bought and it was the front cover was a Glen Keane pencil sketch.
1: Yeah, I remember that one. And yeah. It
0: had a, a second disc just rammed with special features yeah, of every yeah. possible sort. Um and then a few discs in they stopped bothering and then Blu-ray, so they start bothering again. And yeah. now that's just normal, so we're back to interactive menus. I
1: know, <laughs> I know. I mean that's just reacting to market trends, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But... There's someone at Disney who'd love to be making them. Oh, I bet. They used
0: to really throw everything on there. I know. And be in them and stuff. And now you just give it to a team who puts a trailer on and... And, like,
1: that. the 30-minute fluff yeah, do- but, documentary that you filmed. made for the Disney Channel. That you made anyway. for the Disney Channel, yeah.
0: And, although, or, or I tell you what, they do still usually put on, like, a, a deleted scene. Yeah. Of some sort. Uh, in pencil sketch or something like that you know they'll do something about
1: it. but yeah i mean i think the broader point with disney is like i say they they're much more willing to go back and do that like let's go through and do the entire historical treatment mm. if it's something that feels detached mm. from what they're currently selling yeah they'll do that happily with like old ass mickey mouse stuff or you know footage of walt disney or whatever yeah. but if it's
0: yeah, they're starting to turn around on him a bit. They, it, was a, it was a very kind portrayal in um, Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. But, but it wasn't pure sweetness and light and roses. So I think they're starting to turn yeah. around on him and we'll be able to get a bit more in depth.
1: When it comes to the stuff they're selling right now, yes. you know, the big things that are culturally live for them, I don't think we'll see big exposes. I don't think we're ever going to see the what went wrong with Alice in Wonderland documentary. No, because
0: that's the only possible thing that it would be there is no the making of alice in wonderland it is all we want to know is what went wrong yeah that's the only thing that can be gleaned from it yeah because it went wrong it didn't work so to see a making of would be like well the making of something that didn't work
1: yeah yeah and i don't they would never approach it from that angle so no. don't expect to see it it would have to be
0: like a sweatbox, or like or like a waking sleeping beauty where it's people who were there making their own version of it. Yeah. Or an independent filmmaker making their own version of it rather yeah. than like the one like like the um like the documentary that came with Phantom Menace that was like borderline expose of wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah. But sort of
0: disguised as a making of something yeah. it could go on the disc.
1: Yeah yeah. That was fascinating that one.
0: Yeah. And so we'd covered everything, and it would be a good idea to stop trouble is we weren't stopping. We rambled on and on, and it behooved us to improve the state of things. So here, we simply called a stop. We banged our little gavels and we said, Look, it is getting late now, and you're still in my house. And even this here jingle has gone on too long.
1: I think that about wraps up our discussion. In terms of the impact of like the live action, Alice in Wonderland, I think Disney have wrung it dry as well. I just can't see them being interested in going back to Alice in Wonderland again, Um, which is, uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting in this, in this era where if Disney hit upon an idea once and it's successful, that's kind of not gonna be the end of it Mm. anymore. You know, like their successes aren't self-contained anymore in yeah. this, because I mean that that again, market trends—that's a sign of the times. Whereas, you know, I reckon we'll still see some permutations of their very successful *Beauty and the Beast* remake, or their very successful *Jungle Book* remake, be carried on as pre—you know, if, even if they're—I mean, no, they are. I think they do want to make a sequel to to the jungle to their Jungle Book. Do they? I think so. Uh, who knows what the story will be with Being the Beast I mean that made well over a billion that was
0: enchanted Christmas time oh
1: god (laughs) but I do think that the book is closed on Disney and Alice in Wonderland now for the foreseeable future and it's it's been really interesting what they've done with it yeah for good or ill, it
0: has been really yeah yeah it has been really interesting and now I'm interested to see like what comes next Honestly, like, I'm looking forward to Maleficent. Yeah. To the extent that I've watched half of it now.
1: Bodes well, or...? I like it. Okay. I like it. We'll, we'll
0: talk about it next week. All right. Well, and I'll have seen the rest of it Yeah, i
1: Well, I'll, and I'll have seen it at all. Yeah. Alright. Well, look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> For now, I guess... Go and do something else. Yeah. Go. <laughs> go away. Go away. <laughs> Trying to say go away in the in the tone of goodbye. <laughs> go away. Go away. <laughs> it could be our sign off. We need. To
3: <laughs>